From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MVW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to this edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast, Chase Parham, Neil McCready, and today's podcast is a conversation with Ole Miss Athletics Director Keith Carter. He just got back in town from uh, the trip to the Jackson, or to Jackson, to the state capitol to uh, discuss state flag. We talk a little bit about his day, what he's thinking state flag standpoint, as well as uh, a pretty good deep dive into the COVID-19 situation on campus as far as it pertains to football season, basketball season, tailgating, a lot of stuff uh, coming up with Keith in the next 35, 40 minutes, something like that. So uh, a very uh, informative, sobering at times edition of the Oxford Exxon podcast. If you're uh, in a great mood right now. Wait till tomorrow. Just listen tomorrow. Yeah, and if you're got plans for the weekend that you want those to be happy Listen, plans, Monday. just turn this on Monday morning. Mondays suck anyway. It's not like a radio show; it'll be here whenever you yeah, you, you and, come to yeah, it. Yeah, just turn it on on Monday morning and let that let that take you into the weekend. If you're in a bad mood and you just kind of like to beat yourself up, hit play. Merry Christmas! Yeah, so. we're here for you. Uh, in all honesty, appreciate uh, his 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 uh, his his forthcoming answers and absolutely. Uh, you know, he was he was honest. He was uh, sincere, and we hope that some of the the worst case don't come to fruition. There, there's very frank, Chase. There was no coach yeah. speak. He was right. There's to a it. path to it being okay, but we then we, we don't have a lot of paths. We got one or two paths that are okay. Yeah. Um, that's that's kind of where it yeah. is. So, no reason for us to keep rambling. Uh, podcast brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway Six West in Oxford. Speed Pass Plus app, you know, to get the uh, the ribs, the lunch specials, all that good stuff. Uh, there at the Oxford Exxon and all Blue Sky locations across Mississippi. And we're coming to you from the Clark Ford Studio. We are Clark Fords in Amory, Mississippi. Six six two two five seven nineteen hundred is the number you call it and ask for Corey Clark. You guys know the deal by now. We're not going to drag this out today. Call Corey. Corey's been great to us. Please be good to him. When you're in the market for a vehicle, at the very least, give him a call. Get a quote. Corey really wants to be your car guy, and he really wants to be your truck guy. Give him an opportunity to prove that to you. 662-257-1900. Keith Carter joined us on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters on the Water is open. It's out at Sardis. Uh, They've got Friday through through Sunday, 11 to 10, uh, picnic-style dining area, signature appetizers, live music. Uh, fun cocktails, curbsides available as well at 662-712-6162. Not even going to go through all of our advertisers here on, on this show because we're going to get right to it with uh, with uh, Keith. But be good to the people that have supported us, please. People like Community Mortgage and um, the Iron Horse Grill and uh, Blue Delta Jeans, Pinnacle Trust, John Edwards Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis, Grenada Nissan, Oxford University Bank, uh, our friends at Bluff City Advisory Group in Memphis, Whitney McNutt uh, with Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, Harry Alexander at harryalexander.com, uh, the law firm of Bain, Moss, Bowen, PLLC as well. All those people have been yeah. – In-house uh, interior design, GNM, all the ones that have been with us for a really long time. Yeah, so. Support them as a favor to us. We would certainly appreciate it. They're all great people. They've made – this podcast possible and it bears repeating that during the last four months when it would have been really easy to say hey we just can't do this we had a handful of advertisers do that because they just couldn't do it they, they there was there was no way they could stay in in business during the pandemic and so there was no there was literally nothing to advertise 
these people have stayed with us and uh we really appreciate them so we would appreciate you showing your appreciation to them as well we'll now go to uh Ole Miss Athletics director keith carter here on the rafters music and food hotline and the oxford exxon podcast enjoy Ole Miss Athletics Director Keith Carter joining us here on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Keith, you're telling us about a second ago you've had a you've had a busy day at the Capitol and uh, got a little busier because you actually had to drive a little bit. You probably didn't expect that going into your morning. No, we didn't. Uh, woke up this morning about five thirty to to find out that we were having some issues with fog and and the airplane was not going to be available, and so we jumped into action and ended up. Uh, I think we we were very inefficient. I think we ended up taking like five cars to Jackson this morning. Uh, but we made it and, uh, certainly, you know, very, very happy to be there, a very worthwhile cause. And, uh, man, it was just powerful down there today. Not, not only us there, but Mississippi state, all the other institutions in our state, you know, over 50 coaches and administrators there at the same time, which was really, really cool. Uh, got to have a lot of conversations with, uh, with the speaker of the house and the Lieutenant governor and other legislators down there and and just talk about the importance of of changing this flag, you know, and that it's time and, and that there's so many reasons that we need to do it. And, and I think today was productive. I think it was a good day. I won't ask you to name names, but I'm curious. Did you speak to anyone down there who, as of this morning, was against changing the flag? Did you have – was there any conversations that were that were more debate than they were conversation? Uh, not a whole lot. And, you know, what I what I found today, one, I learned a lot about politics over the last couple of days and, and how this has got to all go down for the legislature to make it happen. Um, but, you know, I think some of the conversations were with legislators that uh, personally, I feel like they want it to change, but they feel like they've kind of made a promise to their constituency that they would they would let the people decide, you know, and I think that's where they're torn right now is you know, personally, I think if they were voting themselves, they would vote to change it. But uh, what they told their constituency when they were elected is that they would always let the people decide. So I think that's where they're torn right now. And I think that's where, you know, uh, Speaker Gunn and, and others are trying to get some of those people just to vote to uh, suspend the rules, get the two thirds vote to at least, you know, bring bring it to the, the majority vote. And at that point, they could vote against it if they wanted to. But uh, you know, maybe there's enough votes for it to happen then. So uh, a lot of politics going on right now, but I, I do sense some momentum. I feel like things are, are, are trending in the right direction, and, and hopefully that will happen here over the next couple of days. Logistically, how did today work? I mean, are you talking to people in small groups, individuals? Is that what Mike and Kermit and Lane and everybody's doing? I mean, how, how does this sort of work as far as you trying to whip these votes and have these conversations logistically? Yeah, a little bit of, of everything. You know, we, we spent time as a group with the speaker. We spent time as a group with the lieutenant governor. Um, you know, obviously, we, we have relationships with different legislators who were helping us kind of make our way around the, the Capitol and, and talk to different people, a lot of Ole Miss ties and, and people that were, you know, taking good care of us. But, yeah, there was just a lot of hallway conversations, you know, a lot of let's duck in this little nook and have a conversation. Uh, you know, not again, not just Ole Miss. I mean, Mississippi State, you know, they're very active down there and all the other universities as well. So I think it was very positive. And, and again, I think just the presence of of athletics, you know, that many athletics people there. I, I heard a couple of legislators just talk about how it was really a historic day that you know, you'd have that many, uh, you know, people involved in athletics in our state that were, were there. And, and obviously it just shows the importance of, of the cause. Obviously it looks like it's going to happen. In a scenario, Keith, where it didn't, given the, the climate that we're in today, the momentum for change that is going on, not just in Mississippi, but sort of across the board. How worried would you be, if at all, about 
your relationship, Mississippi State's relationship to the Southeastern Conference, if the legislature at some point in the fairly near future, meaning in the next, I mean, ideally in the next 48 hours, but in the next couple of years, couldn't get that flag changed? Well, Neil, I I don't think it's going to come to that. I mean, I I feel pretty confident with what I've learned over the past few days and and even today that if this doesn't happen in the next 48 hours, when they come back into session in January, I think it's going to happen. You know, I think at that point you go back to the regular voting, you know, parameters where they only need a majority vote. I think they have enough people to, to get that done. So I don't think anybody wants to wait till January or February to have it happen. But I think it would happen uh, at that time. But, you know, I, I know that, that Greg, um, you know, certainly put out the statement a, a couple of weeks ago and, and, you know, talking about championships and different things. But um, I think they understand that there's a process. They understand that there's politics involved. Um, I think they also understand that there's a lot of people working very hard to make this happen. Sure. And so they certainly know that, that neither of our institutions have flown the flag in several years. So, um, I don't think they would be that punitive in, in that short amount of time because they know that behind the scenes a lot of work is being done. That's what I was going to ask you real quick about that, going back to, to Sankey's uh, statement last Thursday to the NCAA, um, I guess, policy change on Friday morning. As an institution who hasn't been flying the flag, as, as an institution really has you know, kind of denounced that flag from an Ole Miss standpoint all the way around, what kind of was your initial reaction? Because, like you said, I mean, you're trying to whip votes, trying to get the legislature to change something. Did you have a lot of forewarning that that was coming? And then was there almost maybe a little irritation that, hey, we're doing everything we can. It's not technically up to the schools in this matter? Yeah, you know, I think I think the, the the quote from the SEC maybe could have been a little more lenient to the to the two institutions. You know, maybe said something to the effect that you know, while you know our our two institutions have not flown the flag since these dates, you know, we need to go farther. Um, you know, that probably would have been a little better for us. But uh, you know, I, I've told a lot of people like, you know, I, I hate that the the SEC and the NCAA you know had to come in and do this, and and that we were not proactive as a state to do this on our own you know and and ultimately at the end game is what we want we want the flag to change and we want to we want to fly a flag that unites us all and that we can rally behind uh and i think this certainly will expedite that process you know as you as you look at it you just wish that maybe we'd been a little more proactive and, and done this on our own so that we didn't have you know outside entities coming in and, and kind of telling us what to do so that's kind of my take on it um but again at the end of the day we, we want it to happen we want to bring the, the flag down and and put something back up at some point that uh, that we can all be proud of. You've been around a while. We, we kind of all have. How, how big of a tangible detriment do you feel like the flag, the monument, whatever we want to talk about here? I mean, that that is for recruiting or just athletic purposes in general at Ole Miss. I mean, we got some, we've got some anecdotal people, you know, players, recruits who said I was bothered by this or bothered by that. But overall, how big of a deal do you think that is from just uh, you know your student athletes and your prospective student athletes in recruiting? Well, I think, I think now we're starting to see, um, you know, as, as more student athletes feel like they have a voice to talk about their recruiting process. And, you know, we have a student athlete here that was recruited by both Ole Miss and Mississippi State and some other schools. And he, he told us about the fact that, you know, when he's being recruited, these other schools talked about not only Ole Miss, but also about Mississippi State. You know, you don't want to go to that state because of the flag and this and that. And so, uh, you know, he, he can't end up coming to Oxford, falling in love with it. Obviously, we know Oxford and, and Starkville, they're, they're great places. They have great people. But, uh, but there was just that rhetoric, you know. And so I just think taking that out of the equation is going to be so helpful. Um, you know, again, I think the ones that we end up getting, it's because they come to our campus. They understand what Oxford and Ole Miss are all about. 
uh, and, and they see that this is a really good place. But you never know about the ones you miss out on, the ones that don't come simply because of you know that rhetoric, and, and they never come to, to see what it's really all about. So um, I'm excited to see what that can bring. You know, I, I think our coaches over the years have done a tremendous job of, of working hard and overcoming some of those hurdles. Uh, but, but not having that in the equation has got to help. And so I think we'll see some tangible evidence of that, you know, once, once the, 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 flag, the flag comes down. It's also kind of important, just from a pure perspective standpoint, or sorry, sorry, from a perception standpoint, to get it done now and not have to wait till January. Because I mean, then you go through, even from a tangible standpoint, you've got a nationally competitive soccer program that maybe didn't get to host on campus, a lot of different things, and it just looks like the state still is kind of backwards again. Can't get this thing done without another wait period and kind of let some of this momentum potentially go down. So I mean, it does feel critical to kind of do it now, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think that was the message today: is that you know while everyone maybe feels somewhat comfortable that this could happen in, in January or February, once they get back in session that, you know, if it doesn't happen in the short term, we're going to see the effects of it. You know, like you said, our, our soccer team, uh, you know, our volleyball team, if they were to have a great year and, 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 and win a hosting, you know, you know, a, a opportunity, um, you know, it's going to, it's going to affect us. And so I think, you know, just kind of tangibly telling people, you know, how this is going to affect us uh, was powerful today. So, Hopefully it's enough to, again, sway, sway a few votes and, and get us pointed in the right direction. But, uh, yeah, sooner rather than later is, is what makes the most sense. I know at Mississippi State they've had a prominent player come out in, the, in, in social media and, and, and subsequently in, in some interviews, I think, and, and say that you know his, his thoughts on the flag and his stance that he's not going to play as long as, as that's the, the Mississippi flag. Have, have you heard anything similar from that from any of your guys in Oxford? You know, I haven't. Um, I've, I've talked to a few of our, our players, our, our student-athletes, about about the young man in, in Starkville and, and kind of what he, he said and is, is doing. And, um, you know, we, we talked about that, that scenario. And, you know, I don't think we have anybody right now that's, that's uh, you know, ready to do that. But, but certainly, you know, as you look at his social media posts, some of our players liked it, some of our players retweeted it. Uh, and certainly, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy that they did. I mean, it's something that I, I think the young man, has a right to stand up for what he believes in. And, um, you know, again, I think all of these kind of cumulatively are going to help us expedite this process to get that flag changed. And, you know, I, I hope more than anything that, that he doesn't have to sit out any games because the, the flag has changed. And, um, you know, but I, I think that, you know, we've tried to continue to communicate with our student athletes and give them a voice and give them a platform to talk and, uh, and, and for us to listen more than anything. And I think they've respected that. And, and certainly, uh, you know, my whole thing is we're going to support our student athletes uh, we're gonna we're gonna give let them have a voice to 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 talk about and 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 you know share the things that are in their hearts and in their minds. Uh, but what we talk to them about is you know just communicate with us too. You know let us know what you're thinking so that we can all be on the same page as as we move forward. So uh, I feel comfortable that that we're in a good place there and and hopefully we can continue that communication. I guess you're about switching gears a little bit. I guess you're three weeks in or so. How do you feel like your medical plan is handling things? How do you feel like the success rate has been to this point with getting some of your athletes back on campus and keeping them as safe as possible? Well, I think our protocols are great. Um, you know, I think that the things that we're doing are, are top notch. Uh, there's been a you know a lot of effort into uh, you know making sure that we're doing the social distancing thing, making sure we're wearing masks when we're in rooms together. Uh, you know, trying to, you know, spread out our workout times and our times that we're in locker rooms together. I, I think all of that is, has been really good. Uh, you know, obviously we've seen some spikes and, and, you know, there was a, a now, I guess, infamous event that happened here in Oxford a, a few weeks ago that, that a lot of our, you know, our internal cases can be traced back to. 
Um, and so, you know, we're, we're having to adjust on the fly a little bit. We've got more people in quarantine. Uh, you know, our medical staff and our trainers are doing a fantastic job taking care of, of those young men and women and, uh, you know, with some staff members too. So uh, we knew we were going to have this and, and we knew that we were going to have to adjust. And uh, I think we've done that. But now, now the key is just trying to figure out how we move forward. You know, as these as these uh, student athletes roll out of quarantine, getting back into to voluntary workouts and uh, and seeing what all that looks like. But certainly, I think the last probably ten days has opened our eyes a little bit that you know there's there's going to be some cases, there's going to be some quarantine, and, and we've got to figure that out. Is there a date or sort of like if this thing happens next month, or if you have a certain number in quarantine? Or is there kind of a, a thing where hey, we're okay right now, but it does become more of a concern as you get closer to seasons and whatnot? I mean, when does when does sort of your not your focus increases because obviously you're focused now, but when does it become more important that as many players as possible are not in quarantine as you kind of get ready to go? Yeah, that, that's that's a really good question. You know, as as we move forward, we're you know just five days away from July, and mm-hmm. and then you know you get toward the end of July, you start thinking about fall camp and and what that looks like, and if you've got guys that are in quarantine, you know, or or, or young ladies with the soccer team in in quarantine, you know, what does that look like? And you know, I'll be honest, I, I think you know June first, we were all super optimistic, you know, about things, and and things when when our student athletes came back felt really good about that. Then obviously when, when cases start to, to spike and, and you're, you got more in quarantine, you start kind of rethinking things a bit and you start assessing things a little differently. So, um, you know, I think for us, it's, it's, it's very important as we move forward that we, we certainly want to keep safety at the forefront of everything that we're doing. You know, you've seen some, some uh, programs around the country that have kind of halted their, their voluntary workouts to kind of get things figured out. Uh, you know, we hope we don't have to do that and we hope that, that our, our uh, protocols and procedures will, will help that. But, uh, you know, certainly you're monitoring it every day. We said this from the beginning. This is something that literally changes every single day. And we'll continue to monitor. And, and if we get to the point where we've got, we feel like we've got too many in quarantine or too many positive cases, you know, maybe we take a step back. Um, but right now we feel pretty good about where we are, even though we do have some that are, that are sick and some that are, that are positive. Um, you know, we feel like we're able to, to kind of keep going based on the, the procedures and protocols. I know that you have. I, I know there's nine or ten baseball guys in quarantine at this point and whatnot. Can you give some semblance of kind of what the numbers are in each sport? I mean, I know you're not going to get overly specific, but any kind of related to where that sits in different in different sports? Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know the, the baseball numbers are are you know a little higher than maybe we'd hoped for. Um, you know, with football, uh, you know, we we've got some in there that is not overly you know large proportion proportionally to the to the size of the roster um but again you know it's it's fluid i mean you'll you'll have some people kind of rolling out of quarantine and some rolling in um but uh you know again i don't think we're overly concerned we're certainly concerned about those that are in quarantine and those that are sick we want to take care of them and give them the the best resources they need to 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 get healthy and, and be be good but i don't think we're overly concerned right now about the overall numbers and so uh we'll continue to monitor that uh shannon singletary has done a great job of of building a spreadsheet that shows how many we have in quarantine, how many are positive, how many were close contacts, you know, just so many, so many different data points. And so we're continuing to monitor that. And uh, certainly, you know, if things spike up and, and, you know, get to a point where we're, we get uncomfortable, then we can pull back. But right now I think we feel good about where we are. I know you're not an epidemiologist. When you, when you signed up for this job, you probably did not anticipate doing a lot of, uh, epidemiology related stuff so a couple of these questions might not be in your wheelhouse but you've probably talked to people who it is of the of the kids that you have who are positive i'm not asking for specifics at all do you have you refer to them as sick do you have 
severe symptoms or are these mild symptoms, flu-like symptoms? Can you elaborate on that at all? Yeah, somebody asked me the other day, you know, have you had any, have you had any uh, student athletes or staff that have had to, you know, go in the hospital? And we have not. Uh, we haven't had anybody that have, have gotten that serious. Um, most of ours have been asymptomatic for the most part. I mean, they've been, uh, you know, not, not too sick and certainly not throughout the 14 days that they're in quarantine have they, have they had, you know, just really bad symptoms. But we do have some that have been sick. You know, we've had some staff members that, that haven't felt well and, for an extended period of time, we've had some student athletes that were symptomatic. And so uh, you, you just kind of have to treat each one you know, differently and make sure that you're you know, paying attention to what they're dealing with and, and giving them the resources that they need. Um, but we've had staff members and students that have been in 14-day quarantine and, and never really had a symptom. And so, you know, to me, that's, that's where we've got to get to as we move forward to the season is that, you know, if you have those type of cases, you know, is 14 days really the number? I mean, could it go to seven days? Could it go to five days? Yeah. Uh, you know, does it need to be 10 days? And, and if, if we can figure that out, I mean, maybe that helps with the way that the season could potentially play out. Um, but certainly you don't want somebody coming out of quarantine that's still contagious. They could give it to somebody else. So, you know, there's so many things that, uh, that go into it. And, and again, to your point, Neil, we're letting the experts kind of, kind of give us the information and we're working off of that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we, our whole, our whole goal and, and focus is just making sure that those that are sick, that do have you know symptoms or are in quarantine. We just want to make sure that we're giving them the resources they need, and certainly we feel like we're doing that, and, and we'll see how we can move forward. So obviously, around the country, your place, other places, uh, they, they've they've had positive cases. That was to be expected. At one point, when this thing first started back in March, we heard a lot about herd immunity. Um, I know that some of my friends in the in the media don't like to talk about herd immunity right now. Perhaps it's because they don't know it. Maybe because I don't know. I'm curious when you talk to medical people. I know this isn't your wheelhouse, but when you talk to medical people, is herd immunity a thing? Guys who are getting this now. I know you don't want anybody to get it, but guys who are getting it now in June and are getting through it, whether that's in seven days or fourteen days or twenty-one days or whatnot, are they immune to it in the fall from talking to medical people? Well, you know, just like all of this over the past three or four months, there's so much information out there. I think I think the latest information that I've heard uh, kind of from our experts is that, you know, the immunity is there for a while, but it doesn't it doesn't stay forever. And the antibodies stay in your system. And, and you know, maybe for a while you, you don't catch it again, but but later maybe you could. And so, you know, that's where, um, again, our, our job is, is to keep people from getting sick. And I think if you if you talk to Shannon and Dr. Crowder and and all of that, you know, you talk about herd immunity and, and you know, certainly I, I think there's something to that. And I hope long term that is something that will help this this overall pandemic. But at the same time, you know, we're, we're in the job of keeping people healthy, you know, and, and, and keeping them where they're, they're going to be socially distant from each other and wearing masks so that they don't get sick. So, um, you know, certainly I hope that the data proves at some point that by getting it, it you know, you get it and you get over it. Um, but for us, our, our goal is to keep people from getting it right now. And, and that's our focus. I know you tested everybody when they got here and for, for antigens and for um, and for the actual positive test. What is sort of the testing protocol past that point? Is it simply contact tracing or there are symptoms or do you have, you know, kind of mild markers along the way where you just test everybody uniformly again? How does that work? Yeah, we do not have, you know, once you're, once you're tested initially, there is not another scheduled test for you, you know, based on just a week from now or two weeks from now, we'll test you again. Uh, certainly if somebody has symptoms, we will test you. 
And uh, once we do that, and we will then do contact tracing, and if we can if we can determine that you know a person is a close contact, we will test that person. And so you know even if they're asymptomatic, and so we're we're certainly open to testing people, but there's not a there's not a protocol that says you know every week we're going to test these amount of players or this group of players. Uh, it's really based on symptoms and and close contact. What sort of the feedback you got with, I know you had a season ticket deadline kind of come up in the last week or so with people not knowing how, you know, we don't know exactly how many games, we don't know what the season's going to look like 100% or where they're going to sit or whatnot. What, how, how are you sort of going about that? How do you remedy that? And what do you kind of tell these people as they're, uh, I mean, obviously trying to keep relationships as possible as possible and, and give them as much as you can in this, uh, in this time when you don't know a lot of answers? Yeah, people want answers, and, you know, we extended the deadline all the way to June 15th, hoping we would have more answers, and I guess we do. You know, I feel like we have more answers than we would have, you know, at the end of March. Um, but, you know, what we've told people is that, you know, we, we, we you know, think you should should renew. Go ahead and renew. We recommend that you renew. Um, and then if, if for some reason we don't play football or we have a modified season like we did in baseball, then we'll refund your money, you know, from a donation standpoint, from a ticketing standpoint, or you can move that money forward to next year. And so, you know, people can feel safe that they're not going to lose money. They're not going to, uh, you know, be left out in the cold. They're going to be made whole. Um, but we sold almost 30,000 season tickets, which, you know, for us is, uh, is a good number, honestly. You know, I think last year uh, we ended up, and that's not including students, but kind of full price season tickets. Uh, you know, we're about 3,500 where we ended last year. And so, you know, we feel like without the pandemic and without, you know, going through that with Coach Kippen, we were going to we were going to be off the charts with season tickets. We were way ahead early on. Um, but I do think some people are, are paying attention to the medical piece and, and some are maybe going to sit this year out. But, uh, you know, if we could get some good news, um, you know, we, we, we could easily end up, you know, over last year's number. But then here's the catch 22. We may end up selling more than that, and then all those people can't come into the stadium based on the fact that we can only have a 40% capacity or 50% capacity. So, uh, you know, we're, we're working through that dilemma as well. But uh, certainly we want to sell as many as we can, and we want those folks to know that if they buy the season tickets, they're going to be made whole if we don't play. Do you think that's a national, a conference, or even a school-by-school uh, stance on what the percentage is of a stadium if it's not 100%? Where, where do you think that decision ends up getting made and how it gets made? I think it's at the state level. I mean, I think what we're going to see is that, uh, you know, the SEC is probably not going to get involved in, in that decision because there's, you know, 11 states represented in, in the, the SEC. So, you know, the, the Texas governor came out a few weeks ago and mentioned that they could have 50% capacity in their stadiums. Uh, you know, may have to pull back on that some based on uh, some of the things they came out with today. But uh, at some point, our, our, you know, state and local government is going to have to, to put their foot on base and say, hey, here's here's the number. Here's what you can do. And you know, we hope we can be a part of that conversation where we're trying to work internally to, to put some plans together and, and actually talk to Mississippi State and some other schools about, you know, doing some things collaboratively as we as we go to Jackson and, and talk about some of those things. So, uh, but ultimately, those decisions will be made more on the state and local level. Do you have to plan for different models? I know you don't know the answers yet, but you have to plan for different things. Do you, are you, how, many different, how many different scenarios have you all modeled out? Um, probably about a hundred, Neil. I mean, there's so, there's so many different models. Um, you know, you, you, you have to put your foot on base at some point. Uh, and, and really the model that we've kind of, kind of fallen to is a 50% capacity model. Uh, and we're kind of basing a budget. We're kind of basing, you know, what we, what we're, what our game management folks are doing in the stadium. Uh, you know, a plan that we would maybe you know, show the folks in Jackson, you know, based on a 50% number. 
Um, but you know, we're prepared for a 25% number. We're prepared for a hundred percent number. Um, you know, the problem is you, if you get much below 50, um, you know, the, the revenue, the financial piece just doesn't make a lot of sense because you're, you're still having to staff the stadium the same way. You're still having to do a lot of those same things that the expense is still there. You know, whether you have, you know, zero, you know, 25% fans or a hundred percent fans. And so really, if you get much below 50, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense for us, uh, financially, but, you know, you got to start somewhere. We hope that, that we get better news as we get closer to the season. But uh, right now, we're looking at that 50% model. How confident are you you're going to have a season? Um, I would say I'm, I'm pretty confident we're going to play football. You know, I don't know, uh, again, what the stands will look like. Uh, I don't know if that's all 12 games. Um, but I feel confident that we're going to play some semblance of a season, you know, whether that's all 12 games, whether that's eight games, uh, whether that's 10 games and we just push it back. Um, but I think we're going to play football. I really, really do. And, and I'll, I'll continue to, to think that. Um, but again, I think the, the questions are just kind of the things that surround it. You know, what, yeah. what do the stadiums look like? Uh, you know, how do we, how do we make sure that our, you know, our medical protocols are in place? And, you know, if something happened on week three and there was a huge spike, what happens then? You know, there, there's some things that you've, you've got to work through, but I, I think we're going to play. I really do. Budget-wise, obviously, football's the 100% bell cow. I mean, is it one of those deals where they play a certain bit or nobody else plays? I mean, how do you sort of factor in Olympic sports or others? You know, sec- I don't want to call them secondary sports, but secondary sports in this in this model is because we always talk about football, but we don't necessarily talk about the fact that hey, soccer has a game before football technically does. Right. Yeah. I, you know. Again, this is just kind of one yeah, man's sure. opinion, but I, I think if you're not playing football, you're probably not playing soccer or volleyball. Yeah, That's yeah. just my guess. Um, I think you probably say, you know, we're going to wait and, and start everything October 1st or, you know, push it back to the spring or, or something like that. Because I, I just don't think you could say, hey, we're not going to put our, our football student athletes in that position, but we will our soccer student athletes. I just I don't think that would happen. So um, I think you'd probably see a uniform decision there to push everything back. This is way down the road, but I guess it, at the same hand, it's not that far down the road. Uh, you've got both your basketball teams on campus Obviously, basketball, as you well know, you were really good at it back in the day. Um, is an indoor sport. It, it is. Has there been have there been any discussions about what that looks like as as November looms closer, or do you just have to fool with the football first and then start to figure that out down the road? Yeah, we we certainly talked about it, and and to be honest, Neil, that one's probably the one that scares me a little more than even football. Yeah, you know, because yeah. you end up you end up with all of those people indoors. Um, you know, I think a lot of the data is showing that, that this thing is spreading indoors a lot more than outdoors. And so, you know, right now we have kind of a, a normal budgeted number in for, for basketball and like football where we're only going 50%. And so I think we're, we're going to have to adjust that as we move forward with, with the data and the, and the new information. But, uh, you know, I, I think we have spent a lot of time on football, probably not as much on basketball, but I think we're going to have to turn to, to start looking at that a lot here in the near future because, you know, I think that that data with the indoor just just really makes that one makes that one a hard one. You're six days away from another fiscal year, kind of the automatic follow up there. What what does sort of the budget look like for for 2020, 2021 versus the the year that we're you're just, you're just now completing? Well, we'll be down. Uh, we've spent a lot of time uh, really on two things in the past, you know, four months. One is finishing out fiscal year twenty and and trying to do everything we can to you know, continue to give the resources we need to student athletes, even though they weren't here, we were still trying to support them by, 
doing things for them, sending them meal cards and, and doing things for them. And, and certainly our staff, we wanted to, to try to protect our staff because, you know, we got a really, really good staff that, that do really good things. Um, but then obviously building a budget for 2021 and, you know, again, you put your foot on base and you say, okay, we're going to budget for 50% of the football stadium to be full. Well, when you do that, the revenue just doesn't, just doesn't meet the expense. And so, you know, we've done a lot of things internally as far as cutting, you know, operational budgets. We've done some salary, you know, reductions, those type of things in the 2021 budget um, to help us get there. But uh, we actually had a, a meeting on, on Wednesday with our full staff to talk about some of this stuff. And, you know, certainly we talked about, you know, the rationale behind the 21 budget, why we had to do the things that we were doing. Um, but then I, I left them with, you know what, this is, this is definitely not a worst case scenario. You know, if we end up not having football or, you know, having no fans for football, um, you know, there, there's some other discussions to be had and, and, and those will be hard discussions. So, uh, you know, I think it's obviously it's not just Ole Miss. I mean, it's around the country, but I do think here at Ole Miss, and we've, we've talked about it a lot, but with what we've been through over the past four or five years and depleting reserves and, and just not having, you know, that, that's a go-to like maybe some other universities do. Uh, we're going to have to get very creative and, and, and think about how this looks moving forward. You get, what, $8 million back in, what, November 22? Is that right? Yeah, December of 22. Okay. That's right. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, one that you probably are very glad you don't have to make this decision, but I'll get to ask it about eight times a day, so I'm sure you do too. What are you going to do with the Grove? What's tailgating look like if there is football this fall? Yeah, that one's that one's very interesting because uh, obviously with the stadium, you kind of know what you're dealing with, and if you can have 50 percent in there, you can easily do a math problem and, and figure that out. Um, you know, with tailgating, it, it's tricky, and believe me, I understand. I mean, our folks love to tailgate. We've got one of the best tailgates in the country uh, in the Grove, but uh, it's interesting. I've, I've had I've had emails from fans and donors really on both sides of it. You know, some that said you need to open it and and let us you know come at our own risk, and and some that have said we need to absolutely close it. You know, because it's just it's it's a you know it's way too many you know variables there and, and things that can happen. So uh, we started those discussions internally, and I'll be honest, the, the Grove for us is while it's very very important, and we understand it's a part of our game day experience. Uh, you know, there's a lot of other things you know from bringing student athletes back to making sure they're healthy to figuring out what the stadium looks like. Uh, there's just so many other things that kind of come before the Grove. We got some time to continue to talk about that, uh, but we understand where people come from and. Uh, we, we know that people want to go in there and, and tailgate, and maybe there's a way we can do it at, at 50% capacity, maybe at 25% capacity or, or whatever. But, you know, I just think about a lot of those days when the Grove is packed and those tents are jammed in there. Uh, to me, that's almost just like a big culture for, uh, for, for COVID-19. You know, it's just it's going to be really hard to manage that one. But certainly we'll look at all angles before we – we make any decisions on that. And that would be banning. I mean, if you went that route, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth or do some you know, crazy headline, but if you ban the Grove per se, that would be banning tailgating across campus everywhere, right? Like you just wouldn't be able to close that one 11 acre lot, correct? Yeah, I think, yeah. I think, and, and this will be a headline, by the way. Know, yeah. Somebody will make okay. this a headline tomorrow. No, our message board uh, is very yeah. calm and no, collected, Keith. Yeah, we, we're, we're rational. We're, uh, Everybody's on. level-headed right now, Keith man. Carter, it's the Grove good. will be closed this fall. Enter. Go. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Everybody's no, cool. I, I think you're – yeah, no doubt. No, I, I think you're right, though. I think it's one of those where, um, you, you know, maybe it's as simple as, you know, no tents. We, you can't do tents. You know, maybe if you want to tailgate out of the back of your car – there's a way to do that. But, um, you know, I think the tents are what kind of makes people congregate and, and those type of things, certainly. But, yeah, it's just a hard one. There, there's not a good answer. You know, certainly if, if you're parked over, 
you know, on the south side of the stadium and you're the only person over there, you know, you'd say, hey, why can I not pull out a cooler and, and tailgate a little bit? But certainly we don't want a lot of people congregating. So, you know, putting your foot on base on that one is really hard. But, uh, you know, again, we'll have those discussions and, and come up with a decision, obviously, before the season. You don't want to let all the cars come back into the Grove like back in the <laughs> 80s, just pull in everywhere they want and have at it? We could try that. We could try The landscaping that. department um, will not like that at all. Yeah, those ruts, those ruts. They would not like those ruts, that's for sure. What's the one thing that keeps you up most at night? I know you got a lot on your plate. What's the one thing that kind of frightens you the most, that you think about the most when you just maybe allow yourself to go down a, a, a dark hole, if you will? Um, pro- probably the budget. You know, just probably the overall financial security of the department. Um, you know, we got great financial people here at Angela Robinson, Fowler Staines, and, and others that have worked uh, you know, really hard on, on getting us through 20, building a budget for 21. Um, and I think, you know, with, with all the things we've done and, and pulling, you know, money from different buckets and reserves that we have and, and those types of things, I think we're, we'll be okay if we can get 50%. Uh, but if we don't, you know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really, really hard. And uh, it'll be hard for a lot of people. But, uh, you know, that's the one that, that literally, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you're thinking, you know, what are we going to do in this scenario? And, and you don't have a lot of answers. You know, you don't have a lot of answers. So um, that's a hard one right now. And then, and then certainly, you know, with, with everything going on in our country right now and, you know, our student-athletes are hurting and, and you know, we've got the state flag, you know, discussion. You've got the, the monument discussion. Um, you know, I wake up thinking about that, you know, thinking about our student-athletes and our staff that, that are hurting and, and, and dealing with some really hard things right now and want to want to be a change agent. You know, want to be somebody that can help them and, and, and help show that Ole Miss and, and, and our department is a welcoming place and, and a place that they're loved and, and can be happy, you know. And so uh, those are probably the two biggest things right now that, uh, you know, I think about. And, um, you know, certainly we'll continue to work hard on, on both fronts and, and hopefully we can uh, end up in a, in a good place. Yeah, just a little clarification here, because in a worst-case scenario, you talk about if you don't get to that 50%, if you don't whatever, there becomes a point where football is so expensive to you that you have to wonder where it's worth it versus TV contracts, but also because if there's no, no money coming in and only going out, I mean, you're seeing that at a lot of mid-majors around the country and non-Power Fives. I mean, sports getting cut, you get into those really serious decisions that I assume you were alluding to earlier. Yeah, and, 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 you know, those are kind of the, the nuclear option type discussions, you know. And, and you know, for us, again, as I mentioned before, if, if we get much below 50% in the stadium, um, you know, it, it would probably be more financially sound to have zero in the stadium. So we yeah. wouldn't have to employ as many staff, so we wouldn't have to do, you know, those type of things. Sure. Um, and, and, again, all, all of those scenarios have been talked about. But, you know, when you put, when you put those scenarios in the spreadsheet, it's hard to look at. You know, it's really, really hard to look at because there's just not a lot of options there. There's not a lot of hope from a standpoint, uh, you know, financial standpoint. But you can't know, even again, we're going to work hard. I can't even imagine yeah, what that looks like. Yeah, I mean, I, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, you, t- I'm totally serious. I mean, you, 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 you guys in the SEC and, and in the Power Five have looked at these big numbers all of these years. There's no way anybody could have ever really foreseen this coming. You punch those numbers into some sort of a system or whatever, and you look at them on a spreadsheet. They have to be beyond sobering and they have to just almost just be shocking they, they really are i took a couple of accounting classes at old miss wasn't very good at them but i know that the numbers in the red were not good <laughs> and so there was a there was a there's some red numbers there neil and yeah. you know you, if you just put simple math to it i mean in a year where we you know get close to a sellout in our stadium or, or get to you know 80 percent of our stadium 
you know, you're looking at between, you know, tickets and donations anywhere from 20 to $25 million. And so when you kind of take that number out of your budget, potentially, if you've got to refund and do all those types of things, um, you know, it's just hard to overcome that. Now, there's some schools in the league that have, you know, substantial reserves, and maybe they can, you know, use those reserves as a, as a rainy day. But, you know, again, for us, we just don't have we just don't have those reserves right now based on what we've been through. So it'll be tough, but you know what? Our job is to figure it out. Our job is to figure it out, and we're going to work hard, and we're going to do that, and we're going to be optimistic, and we're going to we're going to make sure that we treat our student athletes and our staff the right way and and certainly we hope that our donors and fans can be here in, in September or October to to root on to root on the rebels so uh we'll we'll figure it out but certainly some some challenging decisions ahead if if for some reason you know football isn't played kind of last couple things is just playing the games enough to satisfy the TV contracts what do they look like as far as making sure those get fulfilled for 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 2020 yeah, I think so. I mean, just just the simple answer is I think so. Okay. And you know, I think that for for TV, uh, you know, it might even be a little more lucrative if if there's no fans allowed. Then obviously everybody's watching around their TV screen. So, uh, you know, there may even be a way to go back to them and, and talk about the contract and more exposure and, and those types of things. So, um, I think you know, Greg and, and Charlie over at the SEC office, you know, they're certainly on top of that and, and continuing to work through that. But uh, you know, I. To me, you know, people have asked, do you do you try to delay the season and, and you know play in the spring so that you can have fans, or do you just go ahead and play in the fall um, without fans? And, and you know, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's best um, because you know you start getting into the spring. Even if you got full football stadium, obviously if you got a full football stadium, you probably want to do that. But just thinking about playing all of your sports in the spring is is almost impossible logistically. You know, to to do that. Uh, we would figure it out if it meant we'd get full stadiums. But, uh, you know, there's just a lot to it. And, um, you know, to me, I, I just hope that we can we can start, you know, close to on time, you know, as we move forward. But certainly, you know, all of those options are on the table and, and being discussed. I just really appreciate the time. That's that you were generous with your time and, and uh, very frank with your answers. And, and I know – it's probably not what a lot of people want to hear. Quite frankly, it's not what I want to hear in a lot of ways. But uh, really appreciate the honesty. Yep, absolutely. We gotta we gotta be be real with it and, and work through it. But uh, you know, it's one of those things. We'll continue to do that, and um, you know, hopefully, we're we're all in a much better place in September. Okay. Thank you, Keith. Appreciate it, bud. All right, thanks, guys.